Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm your host, Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Job Search Guide. Now, the big question today is, if you could do anything in the world without the fear of failing, what would you do? Now, this is a question asked by author Lynette Lewis in the description of her book, Climbing the Ladder in Stilettos, which is a go-to guide for life as women in the working world. Now, before we dive into the nitty-gritty details of why we're here today, I was wondering if you could share your background with our listeners. Sure, I'd be glad to. I actually started my career in the job placement field. I was uh, I spent three years as a job placement counselor, sending people out on temporary jobs and full-time jobs, and so really got a great feel for what employers are looking at and also what job seekers are looking for. After about three years of doing that, I went back to the university where I graduated. I spent 10 years as the alumni and public relations director, got really involved in fundraising, doing alumni programs around the country, and then went to work for Deloitte and Touche, one of the big four accounting consulting firms. I worked there for eight years and ended up in the New York City office. I had a variety of marketing positions. My last position with the firm was the national marketing leader for the Women's Initiative, which was very fun. I I really enjoyed my time at Deloitte. So I've been based out of New York City for the last 15 years. And after I finished Deloitte, I decided to branch out on my own when my first book was published and decided to go out and be a full-time speaker, do a lot of workshops, corporate events. And that's what I've been doing for the last eight years full-time. I continue to work with Deloitte and other firms like that on different projects. Now do some business consulting and speaking and writing. Sounds very exciting. And you mentioned that you've written a couple of books. And I wanted to know why you decided to write your book, Climbing the Ladder in Stilettos. Well, I was doing quite a bit of speaking. This is about 10 years ago now, or really about 15 years ago, I started doing different speaking events. would just get invited by people I knew to come in. Um, I did some in the nonprofit world, some in the corporate world. And after I'd been speaking for quite a while, got involved in the Speakers Bureau, and they're the ones that really suggested that I write a book. I got a lot of requests from people who would hear me speak for more information. They'd like tools or things that I had highlighted in my talks. And so decided that I would venture into the world of writing books. Of course, didn't know what I was doing, had no clue where to start. I was able to find a literary agent, and then she and I worked together to put together a book proposal and then ultimately find a publisher. I have loved being an author, was not in my plan, was not something I was trained to do officially, but had written for many years in my career. And then as the book came out, was just really found a lot of reward and fulfillment in in finding tools that I had written about, able to help other people find jobs they loved, find more meaning and fulfillment in their career. And that's what I've been able to do then since the book came out, which was about seven years ago. Now, where did you see a need for a book like this within the women who are out and about in today's world trying to be successful in their careers? Great question. One of the, I guess if you could sum up the book, the real meaning or theme of the book, Climbing the Ladder in Stilettos, is really about finding success and satisfaction at work. I think I'm a real big believer that every step of our career journey should be rewarding and satisfying. And oftentimes in our minds, we think, well, when I find that dream job someday or really get the boss that that knows what I'm about and can really help open doors for me, then I'll finally be fulfilled and satisfied. 
as I look back over my 30-year career now, I find that there were some real tools and strategies that when I put them to work, I started enjoying and loving my work at a much deeper level. And I think for women in particular, that is one of our real driving needs. We want to be fulfilled. We want to find joy in our work. We manage a lot of different responsibilities. But when we can know at the end of the day that we did something that mattered and we made a difference, then we find a greater level of of job satisfaction. Now, why do you think that women face different challenges than men in the workforce? Do you think that they're not looking for the same kind of satisfaction or it's just something a little bit different for them? That's a great question. And I've studied this a lot. I've worked with so many women now through the years at all different levels of their career, you know, very senior women in their 40s and 50s and 60s who are looking to, to maybe, quote, retire or do something different. Women who've maxed out, reached that glass ceiling, if you will. But I've also worked with a lot of younger women that are in their early 20s who are just starting out. And what I find across the board is that women want their hearts to be engaged in their work at some level. And there are a lot of different ways that I coach women to do that. Your job, for instance, may not be where you find your greatest fulfillment, but there are ways that on the job and at work, you can pull in activities, people, volunteer opportunities, various things that will actually add that greater sense of fulfillment. And that's something that I had to do in my own life. Really, a lot of what I teach is what I learned the hard way or learned through the years of feeling very much on hold in my personal life and wanting more meaning and greater satisfaction. And so I started just experimenting, trying different things, and found that not only I personally, but the women that I worked with and for have very similar longings and desires to have. And one of the things that I really wanted to pick your brain about was a few of the 10 strategies that you outline in your book. And the first strategy dealt with the question, why am I working? So can you tell us how answering this question can make a difference in really being fulfilled in your work? First chapter in my book is why am I working? And it really revolves around the question that I had to start asking myself. Started really burning. This question was burning in me really in my late 20s. And then again, uh, when I was working for Deloitte, I was working there on 9-11 and our offices got spread out all over the city. And I found myself walking the halls in this hotel where we had stationed ourselves because we, our offices were closed in the World Financial Center. And I was walking these halls and I remember asking myself the question, why am I working here? Why am I really doing this? That compelling question I found is the question in every human heart. Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And the purpose of our life, answering that why question results in answering our life purpose. So chapter one of my book is all about how do you practically do that? What are the the sort of exercises and questions we can ask ourselves? And when we get the answers, have a greater sense of definition around why we're here. At the biggest level, why am I here in the earth? Then at the second and third and fourth levels, which is why am I at this job? Why am I in this role right now? Why am I with these people at this current season of my life? And answering all those why questions will start to give us a greater sense of direction and purpose. Purpose is what I call the compass. It points us to the people, projects, and places that we should be on a regular basis in order for us personally to have a greater sense of fulfillment. Now, the next strategy that you outlined, and obviously this all flows very well together because you wrote a book about it. 
but is really just becoming personally whole at work. And does that have to really deal with finding that purpose and ensuring that you're on the right projects with the right people at the right time with the right tools? It does. It's, it really does have to do with that. So once you answer that, that why question, why am I here? You get a purpose statement written, and I really believe in writing a very concise personal purpose statement, something that I do in a lot of my workshops now and a lot of the various things that I write about. But then once you have your purpose, we're inevitably going to confront what I call brokenness in the workplace. Mm-hmm. It's that, that difficult boss that you work for that you wonder, why is he or she just so tough to work for. I can never please her. No matter what I do, he's never going to give me a good review. And I came to this number of times in my career where I'd sit down for my, my six-month review or my annual review, and I'd get these, these kind of negative marks. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I have worked harder in the last six months than I've ever worked. Why are they giving me these marks? Well, a number of reasons contribute to that, one of which is there's just personal brokenness in the workplace. We all bring our issues to work, is how I describe it. And so the reason I wrote this chapter is how can we as an individual come to a place of personal wholeness and then not become part of the madness, if you will, Mm -hmm. not become part of the difficult people and places and situations, but actually be an agent of wholeness, be someone who comes into those situations and actually is life-giving and brings help and hope to people, even if we can't change other people. Maybe perhaps we can change ourselves in a way that will will really bring that wholeness to the places where we where we live and work on a daily basis. So as people are kind of going through the strategies that you outline in your book, and they're really just working on being a better professional and finding something that really just fulfills them and has their hearts engaged, what are some common challenges that people face when they're going through this process? There are really some common challenges that I find everybody faces. So for instance, I talk about one of the chapters is called, What About My Personal Life? So there was a season for me that I honestly, when I graduated from college, I thought I'd be married probably by the age of 25, certainly by the age of 30. And I did not get married until I was 42 years old. So I had all these years where my career was kind of moving along and I was fulfilled in certain parts of it and I liked my jobs. But I kept wondering, what about my personal life? Why am I not meeting the right person? Why can't I seem to get my personal life on the path that my career seems like it's going? And so I talk about how do I create a greater sense of fulfillment in my personal life when it seems to be on hold? And being on hold is one of the common challenges. In fact, today I wrote in my blog about when nothing seems to be happening, it really is. Because so often we'll look at situations, circumstances in our personal, professional lives, we'll just feel like we're on hold. Mm -hmm. Like we can't control things. And man, it's so slow. And goodness, I thought this promotion would come through way before now. And it's not happening. What do you really do in those waiting times when you feel helpless, you feel hopeless, but there really are some things that you can do to make time time pass, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that's just one of a, a number of strategies that I talk about. You know, being on hold, feeling like you're being left behind in some cases. What can you really practically do to feel a sense of empowerment? I'm just kind of curious. I feel like a lot of women get put on hold. You know, they focus so much on their careers and like, I have to focus on my career in my 20s and I'll worry about having a family in my 30s and that everything's going to be fantastic. But sometimes it just does not happen. And so many people and women put their personal lives on hold. So what advice would you have for people out there who want to have everything at the same time? 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, this is, I think, another thing that's unique to women. I heard it described this way one time, and it made sense to me. They said that men typically operate in their life with what they, you know, the common vision of file folders. So imagine a man opens his file cabinet, he takes out his work folder, he's working on his work, he closes it up, sticks it in the cabinet, pulls out another folder, like home life or family life. Whereas women, we tend to pull all our folders out at once, lay them out on the desk, open them each one, and we like to move back and forth between all the folders. So it's it's the common experience. I'll be at work and I'll hear someone pick up the phone and she's calling home to see how her kids are doing or she's making a plan for after work with her girlfriend. And men tend to sort of just stay focused on whatever it is they're doing at the time. So because women tend to work that way and live that way, I find that it's very important to do what I call dream on all cylinders. Have a dream in each area of your life that's in motion. So for instance, Maybe I'm really working hard at the office. I've got a lot of hours. I'm putting in the you know, 50, 60 hours a week. But I'm determined that in one area of my life, in my personal life, I'm going to be expressing myself. So there was a season where I really wanted to get more involved in the community. And my job didn't necessarily encourage me to do that. But I said, I've got to do this for myself. So I got involved in the junior league. I signed up for a group. It was a leadership community group in, in Tulsa at the time called Leadership Tulsa. And I just decided I'm going to go for those things and did it on evenings, weekends, extra time when I could do it. And I'll tell you, my personal relationships began to really expand and grow because now I was meeting a lot of new people in ways that was pro- were productive, that contributed even back to my job because I was networking for my company when I was doing it. But it made me feel so much more fulfilled personally when I saw myself making a difference, not just at work, but also in the community. So those are just a few ideas. There's a lot more that we can do to feel like our personal life isn't on hold, that we are moving forward. Even if our boss isn't telling us to do it, we can take the bull by the horns and go for it ourselves. Well, thanks for sharing that example. And you share a lot of really great stories and strategies and things in your book to really make this happen for women out there. And I was just wondering if you had a story of someone that you've worked with or someone that you've met that has read your book and they've really become a personal embodiment of what you're saying in your book. Can you share their story with us? Well, it's interesting you asked that. Just two weeks ago, I was speaking for the Fargo, North Dakota Chamber of Commerce. They were launching a new women's program, and I love this program that they're putting into place. It's called Women Connect. And they had thought maybe when they started that they'd get, oh, two, three hundred women that would sign up for this. Well, we had an event and they were overwhelmed. They had over 500 women register. They were sold out. And what we did is we had two hours together where I did a session on personal purpose, how to build your brand, how to really dream on all cylinders. And it was amazing, Katie, because within two or three days, I had several women write to me and say, I've already put this one strategy to work. And I'm moving down the path toward one of my dreams. So here's a strategy I talked to them about. I call it the one, one, one strategy. And in simple form, here's what it is. One dream, one step, once a week. Now, when you talk about dreams, most women will say, I'm too busy. You know, maybe I want to write a book. And that was one of the women that wrote to me. She said, I really want to write a book, but I feel like I don't have time. I don't even know where to start. So she had come up with one idea, one step she was going to make in in the next week to begin to move down that path. So she wrote to me. She was so excited. She said, I made my first step already, and now I know my next step for next week. 
making one step once a week really takes maybe 10 minutes, sometimes mm-hmm. even less. But if you think about it, if you make one step once a week toward one of your dreams, at the end of a year, you've made 52 steps toward that dream. And now that dream is in motion and you feel excited and energized. You've met new people. You've taken steps. And I could give you story after story of women who write to me every week and say, I can't believe I've done this. You know, maybe it was like sitting for the for the MCAT or doing something creative, getting in a networking group where we're encouraging one another to do our dreams. It's really amazing how one step once a week will create a momentum that lasts and lasts well beyond even that dream coming to pass. And you know, you have tons and tons of great information in your book and you yourself have a wealth of knowledge. I know we've just scraped the surface. But I just wanted to give you a moment here at the end of the show to share one final piece of advice or a takeaway with our listeners before we close things out today. Well, let me give you uh, an experience that I had a number of years ago, and this will just encourage your listeners to take advantage of every relationship you've got on the job in your life right now. No relationship is too small to add to your network of people. So a number of years ago, I was out just starting to do my book tour with my book, and I was still working full-time. One of my friends had offered to do a small little get-together in Washington, D.C. with a number of young women that worked on Capitol Hill and in the Washington area. So we had this little book signing, and I met a couple different women. It turns out one of the women was uh, in a junior position working in the office of, of then First Lady Laura Bush. So we go on from the book signing. It was fine. It kind of seemed like a smaller event. So I wasn't sure that it had added that much value, certainly mm-hmm. to my book sales, but, but it was a fun event. So five years later, out of the blue, I get a phone call from that young woman who had been there and took a copy of my book. She said, Lynette, I'm now working with Mrs. Bush. The Bushes had now gone out of office, President Mrs. Bush living in Texas. She said, we are launching a global women's initiative focused on women in the Middle East. And I've never forgotten you. I loved your book. I'm wondering if you would agree to be a mentor to one of the women from Egypt that we're putting in this program. So of course I said, yes, I'd be honored to do it. (laughs) I signed up for it. She then asked me to come in and do a whole workshop for all the women they were working with from Egypt on my purpose statement workshop. I've since been back every year to do a workshop for them got very involved in what they're doing at the Women's Initiative at the Bush Presidential Center. And the lesson I learned from that was this, that smallest little moment where I met this person didn't seem like anything at the time. Five years later, turned into something great. So my advice is this, never get discouraged when you feel like, number one, it's slow for you, or number two, that you really don't know the right people. Because sure enough, if you will treat everyone you meet With honor and dignity and value, you'll be amazed and surprised at how those relationships will come back to bless you and make fruitful, great opportunities for you in the future. And with that said, we will wrap up today's show. We've been speaking with Lynette Lewis. Lynette, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was a great pleasure. Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to aljandradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, Send our team an email at lgnradio at localjobnetwork.com. And once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with LGN Radio, and I wish you the best of luck with your career.